Well, thank you for tuning in to Foundational Faith. This is Bishop Harry Wood. We do want to continue with our thought of some major theological thoughts in the Gospel of John. Today we want to move to that of the theological thought that is in the Gospel of John, and that would be the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. And uh, of all the Gospels, the four Gospels, we can see that actually that John gives more attention to the reference of the Holy Spirit in some aspect than the other three gospel writers. Not that what they didn't write was not important, and we will show even in our teaching at this time of, of, uh, of an example of that, how that uh, even in the gospel of Matthew in just a few moments. But again, we want to thank you for tuning in today. If you have your Bible, we would want to encourage you to turn with us as we study today uh, this passage of Scripture that we're going to go to first of all. We want to go to John chapter number 4. I want to give this just as a launching uh, uh, place and uh, because I think that it gives us something to think about as we think about the Holy Ghost or the Spirit of God. I want to look at verse number 23 of the fourth chapter of the book of John. It says, But when the hour cometh, and now is, when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. Then listen to verse number 24, if you're not reading it with us. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, by the fourth chapter of the book of John, we began to see how that John, the writer, is beginning to explain to us even the understanding of how that the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, is God also. And we can go into some depth, maybe at another time, the triuneness of God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. But it's giving us the understanding here in this passage of Scripture, those that are going to worship Him, they must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now let's begin to expound on some things today that I think that would be worth our time together about this theological thought of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost being referenced in the book of John. I wish that we could take the time today and to really go into some depth with each one of these thoughts that I'm going to give you. But I wanted to encourage you to stay with us as we study because there'll be times that we will uh, bring out other things. And also, we hope that it gives you a hunger to study some yourself in these aspects. I want us to understand that not only is the Gospel of John giving uh, such an importance of attention to that of the, uh, of the Holy Spirit, but let's go back to a passage of Scripture that we have referenced before in John chapter 1 and verse number 14. I think it would be valuable that we do that. It tells us in that passage of Scripture, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we see how that this is making reference again to Jesus coming in the flesh or his birth. Um, we know that John doesn't record the birth of Jesus like Matthew and Luke, but we see that this is the reference to his birth into this world and in the flesh. Now with that thought, I want us to think about a passage of scripture in Luke 
that I think that would be good because we was mentioning, uh, I mentioned a few moments ago, Matthew. I meant to say Luke. Let's look at Luke's gospel, uh, chapter one. We want to read uh, a few verses. I, I really would reference you to, to read verses 28 through verses 38 of the first chapter of the book of Luke. It's very important to realize what's taking place place there is that the angel has come to Mary, and uh, Mary is the young virgin. I'm going to read verse 28. I may read all all 10 verses, but if I don't, I, I will make reference of where, where I am reading in the first chapter of the book of Luke. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Now, this is kind of an introduction of where we're going with this to so that we're understanding that the angel of the Lord has come and spoke to Mary. And verse 31 begins to get to the very meat of what is imported here in reference to that of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Listen to verse 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and shalt bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus or uh, uh, Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. Now I'm going to move down and I'm going to go to verse 34 because those verses there, verses 32 and 33 are very important because it's giving us the understanding of who Jesus is in, in that of even coming in the flesh that he is of the lineage of David and how rightly he can be the king of the Jews. Now verse 33, excuse me, verse 34 tells us, Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Now right there, Mary is giving a credence to her virginity. And she's saying, I have never been with a man. How can this be possible that I am going to birth a child? Verse 31, And thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son. And even the Holy Ghost gave her the name uh, of this child. So Mary, I believe that rightly uh, gives a question to this. And, and, and so we see that in this passage of Scripture, mm -hmm. how that Mary asked that question in verse 34. Now, when she asks the question, I believe there necessarily is going to be an answer, don't you? I, I would think it would be obvious. And so if the Holy Spirit uh, is going to come and, and the angel of the Lord's come to make that proclamation, I believe that the angel of the Lord is going to give her an answer, and he does so. Look at verse 35. And the angel answered unto her. So there we see that the angel is going to give the answer. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Now, we see right here she gets the understanding of how this is going to come about. That This is going to be a supernatural thing. This is going to be a God thing. And see, that's the thing we've got to remember. It's a God thing. And so, therefore, she begins to hear the voice of this angel that tells her how this is going to come about. And what's beautiful about this is how that it's even mentioned 
uh, about Elizabeth, how that she's going to uh, be with child and, and her age. And then verse 37 tells us, and, and of course, that's John the Baptist's mother, Jesus's cousin. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. So I want to interject this. If it's, if, it, if it's possible for an old woman to get pregnant, why can't a virgin if God, if it's a God thing? So right there, give some credence to the very fact, the God thing. Okay, look at verse 38. Here's what's remarkable with this conversation with this young virgin. She says in verse 38, and Mary said, she's speaking, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Mary was willing to receive the word from the Lord. Not only was she willing to receive the word of the Lord that day, but she conceived the word of the Lord when the angel of the when the when the angel's message that the Holy Spirit would overshadow her. She was also impregnated with the word of God, and she birthed the word of God in due season. Praise God today! That is exciting. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! The power of the Holy Ghost being revealed in that of the Gospel of John. Now, we understand that Jesus would have been born. Now, let's go back to the Gospel of John because there's something that I want you to see. We have to see that Jesus came in the flesh. That did not change the fact that he was God, but he was walking in that of the flesh as a 100% man and 100% God. And we find in verse 32 something that I think that's very important for us to understand in uh, John uh, chapter 1 and verse 32. It says in verse number 32 there, it says, And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode on him. Now, if we go to the other Gospels, we would see that this would have been the time of his baptism. When Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, we find that the Holy Spirit descended from heaven. There was a voice from heaven, and we know that God spoke, and he said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The Holy Spirit, like a dove, descended upon him. We have a witness of the Trinity there. We have the God the Father speaking. We have Jesus the Son standing there in the Jordan River, and we have the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus. In the natural, Jesus was endued with the power of the Spirit of God on his flesh. It doesn't have any argument that he was God, but yet in the flesh, the Holy Spirit descended on him, and that's important. And then we understand in verse 33, there is something that John the Baptist begins to establish here as a teaching that we need to understand because here's Jesus in the Jordan River being baptized. Listen to what John says, John the Baptist, and I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. Well, praise God. We see that Jesus is the baptizer. Now, a lot of things could be said there, doctrinally, that needs to be said, but due to time, we won't have the reference to be able to go, time to reference all of that. But I do want to understand, I want us to understand that Jesus Jesus came into this world and he came so that we could be immersed into the body of Christ. Uh, glory to God. And immersion is baptism. Now we're going to stop with that thought right now because at another time we'll go deeper possibly with some thoughts on that because we want to move on 
And we want to understand also that in the third chapter of the book of John, there is the understanding when Nicodemus comes to Jesus and they begin this conversation, Jesus begins to expound on the importance of being born again. And we understand that Nicodemus went back to a natural thought of having to go back into his mother's womb and and coming forth. But Jesus told him how that the spiritual birth comes about. Folks, a lot of people have different kind of ideas of how that they're confirmed and, and how that you're born again or how you come into the uh, into relationship with Christ. But listen, it has to be from the principle of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. And we find in the third chapter of the book of John, chapter 5, and these are the words of our Lord. These are the words of Jesus. And if you want to argue with it, you can argue with the Lord. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, right there, we can build doctrinal uh, uh, doctrinal walls. We can begin to build things. But we need to see the whole concept of the passage of Scripture here. We understand that the Word of God here is talking about two things here. We already see how that Jesus is having to give an understanding to this man that had uh, had uh, uh, Old Testament knowledge. I mean, he was he was one of the religious leaders of, of Israel at that time, Nicodemus was. And Jesus is hearing, the, hearing him go back to the natural thought of birth. So Jesus is talking about there, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. Listen to that, and of the Spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. There is a natural birth, and even in our natural birth, there is that of the breaking of the woman's water. The child comes forth, and we understand that even the baptism fact of going into water, of being immersed, is an example. It is a representation of what is taking place by the Spirit of God. We are birthed into the kingdom of God. We are born again by the Spirit of God. The Bible goes on to say, and Jesus is still speaking here, because if we go back to what Nicodemus, he was talking natural things. Jesus is talking spiritual things. Jesus said, in verse number six, that which is born of the flesh, he goes back to referencing what Nicodemus says, is flesh, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And Jesus again says, marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. This is a birth from above. This is a spiritual birth. This is not a natural birth. This is man being rebirthed and having their new creation come into him because of the fact of the loss that took place in the Garden of Eden and man becomes sinners. Hallelujah. Let's move on. <laughs> we find also as we opened up with the passage of scripture there in John chapter number 4, in verses 23 and 24, it talks about true worship of God is possible only through the Holy Spirit. If we're going to really have a true worship and honoring God, it has to be the very anointing of God, the very power of God. I mean, there can be there can be all kinds of forms and fashions and, 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 and programs and all that, but I'm going to tell you, a real move of God is when the anointing of God is in the time of our worship. Oh, hallelujah. And let's move along. And we find also that the disciples and believers know him, so therefore they should understand that the Holy Spirit abides with them in addition to the promise 
he shall be in you. In verse number 14, excuse me, uh, 17 of the 14th chapter, we move on into the, uh, the latter part of the ministry of Jesus. Jesus is now ministering to his disciples before he goes to the cross, and he's telling them many things that night after they have the Passover together. And in verse uh, 17 of the 14th chapter of the book of John, Jesus is telling them, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And then verse number 18 makes this proclamation. It says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Now, Jesus is giving them instruction before he leaves uh, and goes to Gethsemane, and he may even be en route to Gethsemane, part of this conversation, after they've left the, the room where they have the upper, uh, in the upper room of, the, of that of the supper together. But we find that Jesus tells them that, they, that the Holy Spirit dwells with them, but he's telling them of that that's going to take place in the near future after he ascends back to the Father, that he's going to dwell in you. And folks, today, Today we have that opportunity to have the Holy Ghost dwelling in us, not just coming upon us, but glory to God in dwelling within the believer. Thank God for that. So Jesus is bringing them a word that they are going to need even in that weekend, really. And then we go on and we find that also in uh, uh, John in uh, John's writings there, we find that in the 14th chapter, uh, he, he elaborates more about the Holy Spirit coming and being uh, the comforter. He is the truth. He's the teacher. He's the one that will remind the believer of his word. Furthermore, the Holy Spirit believer to become a witness, to become a witness. Now, I want you to look at verse number uh, 26 with me of the 14th chapter of the book of John, the 26th verse. It says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I have taught you. Oh, my God. Jesus is giving a promise that the Father is going to send the Holy Ghost after he leaves. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. And he gives, <coughs> he gives some understanding here how that he is expounding on how that it's going to be our teacher. The Holy Spirit's going to be our comforter. He's going to be that that teaches us. He's going to be that that reminds us of what the Word says. Not only that, he, he, he is stating here, and we'll give some other scripture in just a moment, how that we are going to become witnesses, and the Holy Spirit is going to empower us to be witnesses. Turn with me to the 15th chapter of the book of John. And we want to look at verses 26 in verse number 27, it says, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, so there's another uh, point of him being the truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Listen to what Jesus is saying. Even the Holy Spirit is going to testify of me. The Holy Spirit did not come to testify him of himself and to build himself up. He came to testify of Jesus because Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is our Savior. And he came to be a witness of the fact that Jesus came. He shall testify of me. That's what Jesus said here in the 26th verse. Look at verse number 27. And ye 
also shall bear witness, uh, witness because ye have been with me from the beginning. Jesus is going to, Jesus is actually saying, listen, he's speaking to his disciples, but he's speaking to us today. You have been with me from the very beginning. You have heard my words. You have heard what I've, I've taught. You've seen what I've taught. You've seen the great works. You've seen the miracles. And Jesus is saying that you also are going to bear witness. You're going to be my witnesses. And oh, glory to God, we are, we have become the witnesses of him and we are empowered by the Holy Ghost to be his witness. Hallelujah. There's more we could say there, but we better move on. Let's look at chapter 16, and there's 10 verses there. I, I do not have the time to read them all. I do want to encourage you to read verses 5 through 15 of the 16th chapter of the book of, of John. Uh, chapter 16, verses 5, I believe it was, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, it says... Uh, it says in verse number five, but now I go my way to him that sent me and none of you asketh me whither goest thou. Now Jesus is talking about how that he's fixing to leave them. And then Jesus, I'm going to skip down to verse number uh, seven, because in verse number six, he's talking about how uh, sorrow hath filled your hearts. And then verse number seven, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for, for you that I go away for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Now when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of the, this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them. Listen to verse 13, because it begins to build on what Jesus has said here. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. There again, the Holy Spirit's not come to, uh, to lift himself up, but whatsoever he shall he shall hear that shall he speak and he will show you things to come listen folks this is important because actually we're being given the instruction of how the holy spirit will come to convict the sinner he will also come to convince the world of sin and bring that of righteousness and of course judgment listen i want us to see verse number eight of John chapter 16 again and when he is come he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment and verse number nine goes of sin because they believe not on me of righteousness because I go to my father and ye see me no more of judgment because the prince of this world is judged Jesus here says, I've got many more things to tell you, but he said the Holy Spirit's going to reveal some things to you after I'm even gone. He's going to put you in remembrance of things. And let me give you an illustration of that because they even went to the tomb that morning, uh, Peter and John, when, uh, when Mary come to tell them that she had seen Jesus when she had went to the garden and they, they didn't believe. They, they had re reservation, but they ran to the tomb and we see that they didn't find the body of Jesus. But what I'm trying to say is that later, 
We understand that Jesus came to the disciples in the room where they were locked in, and he revealed himself, and the Bible says the scriptures came open to them. How do you think this took place? When they saw Jesus, of course, the, 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 the presence of God was with them, but yet there is an example of how that after Jesus has left us, the Spirit of God is going to reveal things through his word, through the word of God to us, hallelujah, that will teach us, that will teach us, Hallelujah. And then we want to see this because we're going to need to come to a place of closing uh, with this teaching today. We see the Gospel of John closes with Jesus breathing upon the disciples and commanding them to receive the Holy Spirit that surely would come at the day of Pentecost. I want you to look with me to chapter number 20 and verse number 22. Now, I want you to understand something. Salvation, redemption, uh, what we call salvation and being born again really could not come to a person until Jesus had died on the cross. And something I believe spectacular took place when Jesus came in that room on the, on the day that uh, he came present there in the 20th chapter and he stood there with them and the Bible tells us in verse number 22, verse number 22, it says, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Listen, Jesus went on and said something else. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Listen, we don't have the power to, to, to do the work that eliminates sin, but we do have the power and the authority to bring people to the place that they can understand that their sins can be released and be forgiven of and the guilt taken. And he's given us that authority and through his redemption work. I believe that when he breathed on these disciples that day, they did not receive the Holy Ghost of that of the day of Pentecost, but they received the new birth. They received the new birth of that of the finished work of Calvary. And then we see that Jesus, uh, somewhat less than, four, well, about 40 more days, and then he ascended. And then we find the blessed the blessing of the fact that Acts picks up on how that Jesus ascended to the Father and how the blessed Holy Ghost came. But we find the Gospel of John closing with the theme of the Holy Ghost that Jesus, that had promised the Holy Ghost coming, breathed on them. Oh, hallelujah. And he commanded them, he commanded them that they receive the Holy Ghost. He said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. He breathed on them. Listen, I want to say the last words that Jesus told them that they would be witnesses unto him. They were to go to Jerusalem and to tarry there and the Holy Ghost would come on the day of Pentecost. Those were the last words. I don't know if you remember the last words that somebody said to you. And sometimes those words will stay with us the rest of our life because they mean something of great importance. I've said this before and I know we're running out of time. When my daddy died, there were several hours there. He said nothing in those last hours, but about three or four hours before he died, the last thing that ever came out of his mouth was he spoke it loud enough for everybody in the room to say, 
I love you. And I have never forgot those words. Oh my. But listen today as a believer or even a sinner today, he wants you to realize that the breath of God can breathe on you today. And it's the Holy Spirit that convicts you of your sin. It is the Holy Spirit that brings you into the family of God. It's the Holy Spirit that renews you and makes you anew today. And I want to encourage you to receive the Holy Spirit today as your Savior. I want to encourage you to receive the Holy Ghost as your baptizer, that you would be filled with the Holy Ghost and that you would be that uh, that God could use with the gift and the gifts and the giftings, hallelujah, and that he has expounded on in his word. I hope this has been a help to you. I hope that it's been a blessing to you today just to speak on the glorious blessing of the fact that the Holy Spirit is present with us. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He said, I'll go to the ends of the world and the Holy Spirit is here, which is the third person of the Godhead. Jesus said, I will not leave us orphans. And he did not leave us orphans. He breathed on his disciples. Let him breathe on you the breath of of everlasting life today. God bless you. I want to encourage you to share this uh, teaching. I want to encourage you, if you have not subscribed to Foundational Faith, our podcast, please do so. We want you to be part of our family, that you will get the notifications when they come. And when they come, I want you to share this with a dear friend. I want you to go back and listen to this series. If you haven't picked it up from the first one, pick it up because I believe it will be helpful as we go through some things about the Gospel of John. Again, if we can be of any benefit, you can reach us on Facebook. It's uh, Harry Wood. It's Bishop Harry Wood. And you can find us on Foundational Faith on Facebook. Also, I want to encourage you, if you want to email us, you can email us at Pastor. Harry. Pastor Harry. All that is small. It's small. It's no caps. It's Pastor Harry 8700 at yahoo.com. And just send in a message to us, an email, and tell us, hey, hey, I'm listening. Tell us where you're listening from. Uh, tell us uh, what, what you think of the podcast. If, if you have a question, uh, something of that nature, if you need prayer, you can tell us that. And we'll share it only to the Father. Amen. Praise the Lord today. God bless you. We're going to get out of here. We see the clock on the walls running out of time for us today. You be blessed until the next time. God bless you.